second part of chapter two. In this college classroom, I would continue to fight for myself like I had been doing and chosen to do in my previous internal shift moments. I didn't know this at the time, but this new start would come with a fallout. Soon things would get worse, much worse, before they would get any better. In this beautiful moment, though, after my internal shifts, I had found my place. My place. My place at home. My place at school. My place as a parent. My place as an authentic person. My place in the program my place in sobriety, and finally a safe place within myself, my place in this world. I can't list all these places I had found without recognizing the importance of one place that had always been there for me, my family and a few select close friends. I have no doubt I wouldn't be here on this planet without the support and help I have always received from them. It was my job now to continue to learn how to rely on them in healthier ways. I had also just found another place I belonged. Another room. A healing place disguised as a college classroom. As class came to an end on the first day, Deb shared that every Friday we would have something called compassion workshops. We were to write something during the week and every Friday we would circle up and share what each of us had written. I had no idea how deeply this practice would affect me, or that real honest writing and sharing in a safe group would be something that would bring great purpose to my life, even after this class. This would be the first time I would truly begin to recognize the extreme value that can be found on a blank page. Honest, deep writing would become my somewhere and something I could turn to that would help me to process my life and all of the jumbled up things I held deep down inside. I could prove here that I respected all that I had been through enough to allow any and all of it a voice through my writing. The energy in learning communities was really unique and comforting from day one and it was an energy that told me this class mattered than more, more than just a college class. These women brought something deeper than just English and stress management. I learned that Deb and S had spent years working together, teaching learning communities, and that they had years of practice creating a safe environment, primed for honest expression and connection. Deb often talked about how she wasn't a fan of the rules of English, and I got the strong impression that it was the honest expression part that mattered the most to her. This had a profound effect on me because I thought to myself, here's an English professor telling me my writing doesn't have to look a certain way. I'm still not her sure how she did it, but Deb made me feel like I was already an amazing person and writer exactly as I was. Often she would reiterate the empowering view that we were all already writers, not just in the literal sense but that we were also the authors of our own lives, which meant that we had the capacity to create any reality we wanted. 
S had an extreme ability for compassion and action, and she made me think, and I think all of us feel, as if we mattered. The combination of these women and the essence of what they were and what they believed in encouraged a very open and safe environment. I began writing from my heart very quickly, with little reservation, in part because of the experience I had sharing honestly in the program. The biggest thing, though, that had helped to smash my ego and prepare me for this writing we would do in class had been another internal shift moment I had experienced about a year prior to my return to school. This moment had been brought brought to me by my first sponsor, Melody, who was my friend slash soulmate in so many ways from the moment I met her. We were just so alike. The connection Melody and I had was deep, which allowed her to get to me deeper, to help me deeper. I had gone to her one day drenched in emotional pain over something, and as I, I talked with her about what I was going through, she had suggested that I just write about it, the crazier the better. Melody had always stressed writing and how important she thought it was for recovery, but I hadn't been able to authentically write more than a sentence or two. When I heard the words, the crazier the better, come out of that beautiful heart I had grown to trust, it had given me permission I must have needed to connect with the deepest and darkest parts of myself. The block I, that had been in my way was completely ob obliterated in that one moment, and I started the practice of letting my crazy out on paper. This was a way for me to finally connect with the deepest parts of myself. The year of practice I had writing in this real way was the best prep for this class and compassion workshops. I hadn't fallen completely in love with deep, honest writing yet, but I knew of its value and that it had helped me get to where I was. I was so ready to get even more real on paper. We weirdly had three Brees in the class, so all Brees got nicknames, and mine was Mama Bree. To have this endearing and fitting nickname made me feel happy, important, and extra connected to the friends I was quickly making in class. On Compassion Workshop Day, we would circle the desks up so we were all facing one another. I loved listening to all the different personalities read, and everyone shared in a way that was so honest and just seemed to fit who they were. I learned every single person's name and a little bit about their personality within a few weeks which was pretty weird for me, as I typically have so much trouble remembering names. Never had I been in a group where I so deeply cared about each person in it so quickly. Even the classmates who were shy at first opened up fairly quickly, and I would internally cheer when these shyer types started sharing more vulnerable. Have you ever had a moment where someone in a group just gets completely real, when you hadn't been expecting that type of real? If so, have you felt how meaningful that can be? Just that automatic, deep, connected feeling that can come after someone does this and how the whole energy in the room can shift. We had those moments constantly, and the spirit that radiated throughout that room was indescribable, but so powerful. I had experienced similar moments in the program often. And I was so lucky to have these two experiences help to shape me 
as a person because I'm not sure everyone gets to experience that type of connection on a consistent basis. I wish they would because it was an integral part of my growth as a person. Deb was big on compassion. It was her thing. There were some meaningful stories behind where this came from and why they did compassion workshops. At this time, I wasn't big on compassion because I thought compassion had been part of what had gotten me to side with everyone else, therefore knowing the deepest parts of me and in turn making my relationships sick. I had this kind of prejudice over what I thought compassion had been for me in my past. My experience was with some twisted form of what I thought compassion was, and I don't think I really understood true compassion yet. I decided to begin with trying to practice having compassion for myself and compassion for those sharing in class. And I thought that maybe this could be the start of me learning compassion in a healthier way. I fell in love with the type of writing and sharing we did in that classroom from the very first Compassion Workshop Friday we had. The way I wrote and shared helped me to heal on a deeper level in a way I hadn't known I desperately needed. To combine this type of honest writing and sharing in a safe, supportive group and this practice felt pretty magical for me. A lot of the magic, too, just came from where I was personally at. But there was also just something special about this specific group of people together doing what we were doing. There was stripped and raw truth humbly shared between humans, and the things people wrote and shared were filled with pain, hope, and truth. Everyone continued on with the trend of being very abnormally real and deep. Compassion Workshop Days became spiritual for me. Because while there, I felt a connection to something bigger than myself. This was, this was just a slightly different form of healing than I had gotten from the program. Because we were relating to different things in a different sort of environment through a different medium, writing. This period of time is captured and still alive in my brain, even though it has now been many years, and a sacred stillness and light cradles the people who existed within it. One of my first compassion workshop papers I wrote was about my friend and first sponsor, Melody. She is an important person in my life and story that I haven't written much about yet, so I'd like to capture her important role in my life and recovery forever through sharing one of my first compassion workshop papers I wrote about her. I have the permission from Melody to use her real name for purposes of this book. This was written in 2013. Compassion Workshop about Melody Tabo. I have met a few important people in my recovery that have been able to cut right through my hypersensitive defenses and show me the kind of compassion and love I didn't even know I needed or wanted. I first met Melody a few years ago, after I had started going to recovery meetings regularly. I had been praying to find a sponsor, even though I didn't really believe in God. We both shared at a small meeting and then talked for quite a while after. I felt like I had known her my whole life, and I asked her to be my sponsor. 
She's the first person I became comfortable talking with on the phone. We had a deep, honest conversations galore, and we laughed together so much. She's sort of a pervert like me, so I would always hang up feeling better. I have always felt intense love from her, and I know from hearing her story and from the accumulated experience, strength, and hope she shares with me that she understands my specific type of intense suffering. She gets it. In fact, she's been to a lower bottom than me. She's in her 60s, but looks a lot younger. She's petite, maybe 5'2", and right now her hair is shoulder length and platinum bond, blonde, and somehow it looks perfect on her. Melody has a sweet, soft love and is comforting. I learned very quickly that she believes in a lot of trippy, supernatural Mother Earth stuff, and she goes to Indian sweat lodges at least every few weeks. She's always talking about God and all the small and big miracles in her days. God and the spirits are always talking to her and giving her signs, and she has so much faith. When I first met her, I thought she might be a tad crazy, but it turns out she just really believes in God and the spirits and Mother Earth and lots of other good, beautiful things like that. I love that she believes in this stuff because I wish I wish so much I could believe in something as much as she does. The first time I let her smudge me, in parentheses, an Indian ritual for protection, I mostly just did it because I thought the word smudge sounded dirty and funny, and I wanted to see what this smudging thing was all about. We sat in her car with the air conditioning blasting us on a hot summer afternoon. I was having a hard day, and she had asked me after a meeting if I wanted a smudge. I had no idea what a smudge was, so she explained as best she could. I was up for it because I trusted her, and I knew she would, wouldn't ever hurt me, and I thought it might be funny. We sat parked in her car at the old place our meetings were, and she handed me a bundle full of something tied together with a thick string. It looked like three-inch pieces of dried grass. I held the bundle while she fumbled through her car, trying to find a match. It smells good, she mumbles, while she continues her search. So I smell the freaking sage, and I brace myself for the weirdness about to come. The sage smells like incense. After a few minutes of fumbling through things, she finds a match. I hand the sage back to her. Melody strikes the match and lights the sage at one end, and it smokes slowly. I laugh uncomfortably as she says some weird prayer. She's got her super serious sweet face on, so I try to suck it up and quit feeling weird as she proceeds to do energy work on me. Ener energy work this time involves her moving the sage around me in certain circular patterns. I sit there like a good girl, and I learn firsthand what it means to be smudged. Unfortunately, it didn't involve anything dirty. It was sweet, and I have such a happy heart thinking of my first smudge. After we sit in her car and talk, and talk and stare out into the vacant lot directly in front of us, it's a tall, dry, grassy field with a sprinkling of sunflowers. She tells me about some of her worst days in the disease, and she takes me through to her rock bottom. Then she says something I'll never forget. 
You see those sunflowers right there? And she points to the sunflowers sprinkled directly in front of us. Yeah, I say with a smart-ass tone, they were right in front of us. She goes on. The sunflowers bend themselves all day long so they can be in direct contact with the sun. Maybe you could try to be like those sunflowers and grab onto any light in your life. I always ask her to smudge me now. This is just a normal occurrence. I mostly ask because I still think it sounds dirty and awesome and it makes both of us laugh every time. And I think I like to be around her and want to absorb her faith through osmosis because she really does believe. This just boggles my mind that someone can believe as much as she does. And I'm pretty sure smudging does help, but I just don't like to admit it. She also gives me funny advice. Like one time in the beginning when I was having trouble connecting with myself and I was feeling so empty and too dependent on everyone and everything around me. Her suggestion was to go find a tree and hug it for 10 minutes. I thought she was being a sarcastic bitch, so I laughed. And she looked at me super serious, sweet eyes, and she promised me it would help me to feel more grounded. And it would help me to connect with myself and the earth. After I get the kids to bed that night, I don't hug a tree because there's no trees in my yard. But I figure the grass would do just fine. I lay alone on my belly, face first on the grass, and I listen to the crickets. Soon I feel every part of me relax and fall into the grass. She's full of weird, awesome suggestions. Most of the time, I think they sound crazy, but I usually end up trying whatever she says, and 90% of the time it helps a lot. I love her, and in the early days of my sobriety, she always sensed the exact things I needed before I even knew I needed them. She's been there for me no matter what, and I've been learning to be there for her lately too. She's so good at cutting through my defenses straight to my heart. She knows the specific type of love and compassion I need, and I don't think anyone else could ever fill the place in my heart and soul that she has. End of chapter two.